Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to People of Hope. This day we are starting a brand new teaching series called Ingredients. Everybody say Ingredients. Okay, just want to make sure you're awake this morning and also that you can read. It's up on the screen this morning. We're starting a new series called Ingredients. And one of the things I want to lead out with today is a reminder that God deeply cares about the relationships in your life. God has created human beings to live in relationship with each other. And you have different realms of relationships. You have relationships at home. You have relationships at your workplace. Or if you're a student, you have relationships at school. And all of these relationships, they have different sort of effect and impact on your life. And some of them, they fuel you. Some of you can say, I'm so thankful for this person in my life, at home, at work, at school, because they charge me and challenge me and cheer me on to be a better man, to be a better woman, to be a better student. I'm so thankful for another person in my life because this is a relationship that, that, that really steers me. This is a relationship that guides me. Maybe it's a mentor or someone who's helpful to you or you just love being around this person and they've got wisdom and help and encouragement and guidance for you. Other relationships, though, they don't fuel you and they don't steer you. We have other relationships in our lives that drain us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Somewhere along the way, maybe at school, maybe at work, or maybe in the home, you're encountering some people who are hostile to you for whatever reason. Some people who are closed off and you just can't break through that shell that they've put up. You have a desire to get to know them. You have a desire to be closer to them, but there's just some kind of a shell or a a field that's been put up as a barricade between the two of you. If we're honest this morning, there are people at homework and school who just are flat out every once in a while annoying. They're just annoying. We have relationships also sometimes where we find people are up and down, they're erratic in their behavior. Some days they're riding high, some days they're down in the dumps, some days you can count on them, some days you can't. Some days they are just really peppy and optimistic, and other days they are cranky. We have people in our lives, relationships who are loyal to us, people who are disloyal We sometimes encounter people at home and at work and at school who are hypercritical. They are the experts on everything, and they feel some sort of calling to critique everything you do. We have these kind of people in our lives. We also have people in these environments who are short-fused. Or maybe you would just describe them as people that are just hard to understand. I don't get them. You ever had that thought before? I just don't click with them. I don't get them. I don't know who they are or where they're coming from. And God absolutely cares about these relationships because some relationships in your life fuel you, some steer you, and some drain you. They have impact on your world. And if you're in a situation right now where home is a drain or a strain, good news, We want to talk about for a few weeks some biblical ingredients that you can add into those relationships that, Lord willing, would take those relationships from just kind of okay to amazing. 
If you've got struggles in the workplace with, with maybe a coworker or a boss or someone who's one of your employees that's, that's really a drain and a strain and difficulty, we want to come with faith this morning believing that if we could add in some biblical ingredients into those relationships, those relationships might turn completely around and no longer be a drain, but they might be relationships that fuel you and give you joy. If you have relationships at school where there's a teacher or a classmate or a coach who's just absolutely at odds with you or at distance from you, let's come in faith over these next few weeks and look at some biblical ingredients that if we add these in, we can take those relationships to new levels of greatness. We're going to spend this time together looking at these things because let me describe a few of these relationships. Some of them might be a, a parent and a teenager. Maybe you have a teenager in your home and you're thinking, yep, I don't get them. I don't understand that. We just seem to be missing each other. I say one thing and they took it to mean the opposite way of what I meant it. Maybe you're a teenager in the home and you're thinking, uh, that's my parent. I don't get my parent. I don't know. We, are, we are at odds right now. Maybe it's a grandparent and a child. Maybe it's an employee and a boss. Maybe it's the two-way street between a husband and a wife. Maybe it's friend to friend. Maybe it's you as a child and your aging parent. And that relationship, not the responsibilities, but the relationship is a drain on your life. God cares about all of these relationships. This morning, we are going to start out our series, these little ingredients for homework and school, we're going to be looking, first of all, in week one, at the biblical ingredient of compassion. Compassion. There's a definition that's going to come up on your screen here this morning as we look at what it would be like to add compassion as an ingredient into these relationships. Compassion is sympathy for someone who has suffered with a strong desire to make things better. At the heart of this is, I want to understand them. I want to know what's going on behind their behavior. I want, to want, I want to ask the question, what's their story? What's made them cranky? What's made them erratic? What's made them distrusting? What's made them to be a person that's just got this outer shell that you can't break through? Compassion asks the question, what have they gone through that's made them who they are? And if you and I would add compassion into our relationships and all these environments, they could be a game changer and it would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Compassion is this tenderness, this sympathy. It's this, I feel for this person. I've got a, a, an amount of almost sorrow that they've gone through what they've gone through, that they've endured what they've endured, that they've suffered what they've suffered. But the first step in all that for us is to learn what their story is. Compassion asks, why are they the way they are? Compassion even wonders, is there something going on at home that they're bringing into the workplace? Is there, is there something in their relationship with their parents that's causing them to show up at school and to just be a jerk to everybody? Is there an empty spot in their heart? And how did that empty spot get there that's causing them to just be grouchy all the time? Compassion is a pause 
to feel for somebody else for what they've been going through. And it's accompanied by this desire to make things just a little bit better. Compassion is a biblical concept because we need to understand a couple of things. First of all, the Bible refers to God as compassionate. It does this over and over and over again. I want you to look at some of these passages that are come up on your screen here uh, for a moment. Just give you a sampling. This is just a few of them. In Deuteronomy 13, 17, it says, Then the Lord will turn from his fierce anger and will show you mercy and will have compassion on you. Psalm 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now put this in the mind of God, this definition we've been working with, this idea that God feels tender sympathy toward us in what we're going through and in what we're suffering. And sometimes that's because you and I brought the suffering on ourselves, amen? Amen. And some of that just means that the ugliness in the sin-ridden part of life just beat the snot out of us. But this is God having compassion. The Bible refers to God as having this tender feeling, this sympathy toward us, and he has a desire to make it better. Psalm 116.5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he made. And as disciples of Jesus, dear friends of People of Hope Church, we want to go into Murfreesboro and represent Jesus. Amen? So if our God is full of hope for everyone, our God is full of compassion for everyone, we want to go into this city every day of the week full of compassion just like him. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Mark 8, 2, I have compassion on these, for these people, for they have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. This was Jesus recognizing a need in the people around him. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You and I need to embrace compassion because it is who the Bible describes as our God. He is full of compassion. Second thing I want you to understand about this is that the Bible not only describes God that way, but it instructs us to add compassion into the way you and I live. We're to add that into our lives. If you have a Bible with you on your device or in a book, open it up to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 12 together. And while you're looking for that, by the way, if you don't own a copy of the Bible that's easy to read, if you don't have a personal copy of the scriptures, it'd be our pleasure to give you one. If you'll stop at the starting point center on your way out this morning in the lobby, just say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? They will take care of you and that'll be yours to keep. We would love to bless you with your own copy of the scriptures if you don't have one. But the Bible instructs us to add compassion into the way we live. Listen to Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're not to just hope 
that as we go about our day, our day that we're compassionate. We're to do this on purpose. In the same way that you would clothe yourself in a certain shirt in the morning and you'd go to your closet or you would go to the pile. Go to the, shirt, go to the closet and you would look through and I'm going to intentionally pick this out because I want to wear this today. That you and, a, I, you and I, as God's holy people, loved and chosen by God, we are to intentionally, strategically leave the house full of compassion to pour it out on everybody we meet all day long. NIV is what we're reading from this morning, clothe yourself with compassion. The, the, the ESV or the New American Standard as well says put on compassion. Put it on like a piece of clothing. Put it on before what you do when you leave the door. At, at my house, I've gotten into a little bit of routine. I get dressed, I brush my teeth, I get all my stuff together, and then I always remember, try to remember to put my watch on and remember to put my little People of Hope bracelet on uh, to remind me to pray for you and for our church and all those kind of things. And, and the Bible is saying, as you get ready to go throughout your day, remember to put on compassion. Don't leave the house without it with a heart full of compassion. Again, what is compassion? Compassion is a biblical mindset, acting like God, where you have a tenderness or a sympathy towards somebody else you're in relationship with, a sympathy for what they're going through, for what's behind their behavior, for what's going on at home or in their past, what's making them the way they are, a tenderness and a sympathy for that and it's accompanied with a desire to make it better. We want to add compassion into our relationships. I want to give you four things this morning that happen when you and I add compassion into our relationships, when this is one of the ingredients that we add in at home, at work, at school, particularly in these relationships that are draining. Number one, Adding compassion to your relationships is an act of love because you're thinking about the other person's situation and not just how things are impacting you. Can I get an ouch? Often at work or often at school, we've got this person who irritates us, this person who's at distance from us, this person who we just can't click with and we don't get them and they're frustrating or annoying. Often we just think about what they're doing to us and we are not engaged in thinking what's going on below the surface. What hurt, what open wound is in their life that they're speaking out of What hurt are they acting out of? What fear are they acting out of? What scar from their past are they acting out of? Compassion says, I want to slow down and get to know a little bit of their story. Now, let's call a time out here for a moment. Compassion does not excuse ungodly behavior. Compassion does not excuse unkindness or dishonesty or cruelty. Compassion seeks to understand what that person may have gone through or is going through, and it's an act of love. 
Because you're going to say, I'm not just worried about how this is hitting my life right now. Yeah, work is not a happy place because of this person. But wait a minute, as an act of love, I'm going to want to think about what's going on in their life. And I want to act like God. And I want to come into them. And I want to think about them and ask the questions about them. What's their story? What's happening in their life? When you and I think about the other person in this way, it leads us to pray for them. And friends, if you've got a person in your life at school or at home or at work who drains you, are you praying for them, not just about them? It's good that you get with your friends or your small group or, or, or whatever and you kind of say, hey, pray for this situation. I've got this person at my job who's X, Y, and Z or this bully at my school who is you know, relating to me in these negative ways or this situation going on in my home. Pray for that, but are you praying for them and for their joy, for their restoration, for their hard heart being turned into a soft heart? This Showing of compassion is an act of love and it will lead you to pray for them. And friends, compassion coupled with prayer for the difficult person in your life, this will lead you away from labeling them as an enemy. Compassion, what's going on? What's what's happening? What happened in their life? prayer for them. Lord, there's obviously something broken down deep in them. Lord, they're so angry. Lord, would you, would you restore their joy? I don't know if sin just stole a lot from them, just beat them up, but Lord, would you, would you restore them and repair them and heal them, Lord? those things, compassion and prayer for them, will keep you from labeling them as an enemy. I would go so far as to say that if someone wants to be an enemy to you in your life, and there are enemies, let them declare it. And let's never be the ones who label anyone an enemy. Amen? That would so honor Jesus. If the response of our heart at work, school, or home, when there's an annoying, irritating, distrusting, cranky, erratic person, that our response is prayer and to stop and go, what's going on in their heart and in their life? That would so honor Jesus. And it would look like our God who is full of compassion. Number two, adding compassion to your relationships is an act of humility. As you seek understanding that leads to resolution instead of intel that leads to winning. One of my favorite high school memories was when my friends and I were seniors. We convinced our parents to let us take a senior trip about seven hours away. This was in Texas, so we were still in Texas seven hours away. <clears throat> we piled into one of my friend's custom vans. And one of the things we did before we left is we went to the store and each of us bought about 4,000 poker chips. And we went to a lake 
One of my friends' parents, uh, grandparents, owned a lake and a boat, and this was our routine for about four days. We would stay up till about 2 a.m. playing poker, just having a blast, no money exchanged, just these chips, these thousands of chips. And at the end of the four days, we were going to add up all the chips and see who had the most chips. And by the end of the four days, you can imagine there were so many chips, nobody really counted them. We just looked at the piles and guessed at a winner. We'd stay up till about 2 a.m. playing poker, and we'd sleep till about 8 a.m., and we'd get up and we'd go fish. We'd go fish on the lake for two or three hours. We'd come in, we'd eat some lunch, and then we'd go water skiing in the afternoon. We'd come back, we'd sit on the back porch or find a quiet place in the house and take a good nap because we were going to be staying up late playing poker again. And if you've ever played poker, there's this thing you do when you're playing against the other person. It's you against the other person and you're trying to read their facial expressions. And when they kind of hold their cards like they've got a really good hand, like they've got four aces and what they really have is a three, a six, a nine, and a jack. When they're trying to bluff, you're trying to read their expression so that you can figure out what their tell is. A tell is a poker term that says you're giving away what's really going on, and that's a piece of intel for me. So if I can figure out your tell, then I can get that intel, and then I can win. And often in our relationships at school or at work or at home, we are focused on winning instead of resolving We're focused on winning and crushing the other person or getting ahead of the other person or winning or getting one up on the other person instead of finding peace with that person. And compassion is an act of humility where you say, I'm going to humble myself in this moment and I'm going to seek to understand this person so that I can move toward resolution instead of seeking to understand them so I can learn their tell, get the intel, and win. You're not looking for a person's weakness so you can beat them. You're looking for a person's wounds so you can minister to them. You're not looking for a person's weakness so that you can beat them. You're looking for a person's struggle so that you can understand them. There's an old fairy tale children's story about a, a lion with a thorn in its paw and it is roaring and angry and nobody can approach it and it's just, just fearsome, awful, terrible and finally another little animal figures out that the lion is just wounded. The lion's got a thorn in his paw and the, and the little animal goes and bravely talks to the lion and figures out what's wrong and and kindly, compassionately pulls the thorn out of its paw and suddenly what caused the cranky roar was gone. And compassion says, let me understand you and care about you instead of winning over you. And I'm wondering if there's something I could find out that I might be able to make just a little bit easier for you. Something may have happened in their past, in their childhood, and it's likely you don't have the words or the power to make a difference in some of that, but you could understand them better. 
Something may be going on at home, and you may not have the words or the power to fix that or to change that, but it'll help you understand them better. But it could also be you could find out that they're in the workplace and they're cranky because they're convinced every day they're going to get fired and you're able to say to them, actually, no, we're really pleased with your performance. And all of a sudden, that thorn of fear is pulled out of their paw. And they're like, oh. And it's because you took time to be compassionate, to find out what's going on, that you were able to not only care, but to make it just a little bit easier for them that bully at your school, that teacher who just doesn't like you, what's behind the behavior? Number three, adding compassion to your relationships is an act of grace. Undeserved kindness that can lead people to repentance. In some of these relationships at work and at home and at school, you've got people who are really unkind to you and they are wronging you again and again and again. They are not treating you with compassion. They are not treating you with patience. They are not giving you the benefit of the doubt. They are not showing you any kind of grace. But Romans 2 verse 4 says, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So what could happen in your home, your work, your school, if your kindness to them, it might lead to a life change. It might lead to their own repentance. If their rudeness gets met with your rudeness, you are not winning them to godliness. The call on your life and mine is to be compassionate. It's an act of grace. Number four, adding compassion to your relationships is an act of ministry as you consider how to make things a little better or easier for the other person. Adding compassion to your relationships is an act of ministry, as you consider how to make things a little better for the other person. It's just a little bit better. Maybe you learn how to approach them about a subject. Maybe you learn how to kind of have a, a two seconds of chit-chat with them before you give them the instructions. Maybe you learn to, to, to spend a little extra time listening to them. Maybe you learn something that can just make it a little bit easier. But also, maybe they have been wounded by sin and betrayal, and maybe they've been hurt or abandoned or abused. Maybe they've gone through terrible suffering and terrible loss, and you get to be a representative of Jesus Christ and take the kingdom of God into your workplace, into your school, where you give people hope in the name of Jesus, where you show people kindness in the name of Jesus, where you show people who are just hard on the outside, you show them tenderness in the name of Jesus. And in that way, in some little way, you take back some ground from the enemy. Does that sound good to anybody? You see, I love that your business is thinking about the next quarter. I love that your business is thinking about your 2025 goals. I love that your business is thinking about ROI. I love that your business is thinking that. But you know what will really impact your business? Is if grace showed up in your business. 
And you're like, I don't know. Business is business and church is church. No, 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 no. We are disciples of Jesus Christ 24-7 everywhere we go. Amen? And there are people in your office who need grace. There are people in your school who need grace. They need ministry. They need someone asking, is there a thorn stuck in your paw? They need someone taking the time to slow down and instead of bowing up and reacting to this draining relationship, they need somebody who's like, I want to understand them, so I'm going to pray for them. Because when I left my house this morning, one of the things that was on my mind was to be compassionate today. What do they need? And I may not be able to fix all that's happened in their world, but I can cause them to encounter the love of Jesus today. I can make certain that at the end of their day, they have come face to face with undeserved kindness. And maybe I share a Bible verse with them that will just fill up some empty spots. Or maybe I just give them some attention when nobody has done so. Maybe I ask about what's going on at home when no one has ever done so. Maybe I show them a tiniest bit of ministry. And I take back a square foot of the enemy's ground. And all that he has tried to ruin in their life, all that he has tried to just crumble, all the cynicism he's tried to pile up, all the distrust and fear he's tried to amass, I want to shovel a little bit off that pile. How do I do that, Lord? How do I do that, Lord? All of that starts every morning when you say, my God is full of compassion. So today, like picking a shirt out of my closet, I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna clothe myself in compassion so that when I show up at my school, when I show up at the breakfast table in my marriage, when I show up at my office, the compassion of Almighty God is there too. It is a small ingredient that could have life-changing impact. We're talking about ingredients, and we've got this kind of image of some spices and different things you can add into cooking. And I was thinking about some different ingredients in that, and and one of them I thought about was one that we kind of all enjoy. And uh, if you like to bake or if you like to eat, you have come into contact along the way with this thing called vanilla. Anybody a fan of vanilla? You're like, you just love the smell of vanilla and the taste of vanilla, and you're kind of like, like it calls for like a quarter of a teaspoon, but I like two teaspoons. That's where we're going. We love, love vanilla. I've been learning a little bit about vanilla. Uh, there's a picture of some vanilla beans that have been processed. Uh, I have, I've learned that vanilla was kind of started in Mexico, and um, it's now predominantly produced in Madagascar, off the coast of Africa. There's some that's produced in Tahiti, some still produced in Mexico, but almost 70% of the world's vanilla comes from Madagascar, off the coast of Africa. I also learned that in the production of this stuff, that it takes almost 14 months from the moment this little bean shows up on the flower to the moment that it's in 
our grocery stores. And that's not about the time that it's been shipping across the ocean. It takes that long to cure it and dry it and produce it so that it's at its perfect amount of potency and sweetness. It is such a big deal in the world that, that vanilla bean theft is a major problem in Madagascar. There are farmers who sleep all night with their crops of vanilla beans. Vanilla beans are actually a fruit of one of the orchid flowers. It's part of the orchid f- family. It's so valuable that they sleep with it because of the theft. You know what they also do? This is inc- incredible. All of the, each one of these vanilla beans, the farmer will go through and make little custom marks. They call it um, tattoos. So that if anyone steals them, the, the beans could be identified by their mark. It's sort of the way that we would brand cattle. But you're thinking, like, this is just vanilla. We put it into some stuff, and, and, and i actually been looking into it, and I, I got a vanilla bean this week. Let me put this over here. Let me tell you, it's in a little vial. I don't know if you can see this very well, but it's in a little vial because vanilla is expensive. Really expensive. I didn't know how expensive it was until I went looking for some vanilla this week. Uh, you, can, you can find the little bitty jar of imitation vanilla. No, 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 no. We want the full potency uh, vanilla. And if you do that, one of these beans, um, well, let me just tell you. I, I looked this up yesterday. Right now, a pound of silver like gold and silver, a pound of silver is $218.46, $218. A pound of vanilla is $319. It's $100 more valuable pipe pound than silver. This single little vanilla bean in a little vial, this single little bean was $7. (laughs) It's, it's, potent though. It's really, really powerful. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take the vanilla bean, you're supposed to soak them a little bit, and then you, you kind of split it down the middle. The pastor's not going to cut himself. We all say by faith. And then you scrape out the middle of this vanilla bean. You scrape out these little pieces, and then you put these little flecks into your dish, and it absolutely changes everything about that dish. As a matter of fact, you, you probably can't smell it very well, so I'm going to help you here this morning. I'm going I'm to put this on you know, for you so that it'll come to you. Anybody in the front row smelling it yet? No? Not yet? Anybody smelling vanilla yet? Second row is, okay. First row has some allergy issues. <laughs> Anybody smelling vanilla yet? You got about the fourth row back there? Anybody else this morning? Is it kind of making its way to you? Anybody else? Maybe you're going, I think I smell vanilla. That's what it is. Vanilla is this prized expensive, $319 a pound stuff, just a little bit, is a fragrance. It's an aromatic that will fragrance the whole dish, if not the room. Anybody smelling it toward the back yet? When people at your school 
get around you. When people are around you in your home or at your workplace, is the aroma of compassion coming with you? Are you bringing the sweet and powerful fragrance of compassion to your relationships? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And some of you need to have a moment with God of repentance because you have too many people you've decided are enemies. And you need to pray for, for them right now, not just about them. Would you do that? And what's amazing, the Holy Spirit is bringing specific faces and names to you right now. People in your, in your home, people at your job, people at your school, they have been a drain on you. And you have not paused, you have not loved, you have not served, you have not humbled yourself, you have not shown them grace, you have not asked the question, you have not been tender toward them. So in addition to praying for that person right now and their hurt and what makes them cranky or irritable or annoying, would you also repent to God that you have not been putting on compassion every day? Make a commitment that that's going to change right now. Would you ask God to restore fractured relationships? Would you ask God to repair wounds in people's hearts? Would you take, ask God to take relationships that are just kind of okay and make them amazing? When you act like Him and show compassion. Some of you are about to have an incredible amount of progress happen this week in these relationships. This week, you're going to see it. Because the way that you treat people, it's going to absolutely change the dynamic of those relationships. Because you'll be acting like you're God. It's coming. This week, they're going to get better. Because you add in the simple ingredient of compassion. God, we tell you that we need you. Every hour we need you. Lord, people know how to push our buttons. <laughs> and we have preferences. We have standards. We have expectations. But Lord, we want to be a part of ministering to broken people. So use us, O oh Lord, to restore, to repair, to love, to serve, those in need. And as we go each day, Lord, fill us with compassion. Thank you for having compassion on us and sending Jesus to show us undeserved kindness. 
get us out of the hurt that we brought on ourselves through his sacrifice on the cross and empty tomb. Lord, we really do want to be like you in all these places. Amen. Amen. Once you stand up, we're going to sing this to the Lord together. Just bring your heart before him today. Keep praying for people. But bring this to the Lord.